Hello again. It is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. This is a podcast where we just go over our quiet times or life experiences, what we're going through, spiritual truths that we learned. Or the lack thereof. Oh, you mean a lesson learned of when you you didn't have it right? So here's something that happened the last couple of days. Not this morning, because I learned my lesson. It took two days. Uh, I generally wake up super early Uh because of my job situation. We wake up early anyway. And I know that if I come in into work and Carter, you witness what takes place after not having a quiet time. It's rough. (laughs) It's a it's it's a sideshow. It's a, it, yes. it's a little a little sarcastic. Which I'm very grateful you've never pulled out your phone and videotaped it and made millions of dollars on YouTube because of all the misfires that happen. That's a good idea. Stop it. I didn't even think about well, that. I could have been making money making this. Well, I found yeah. out a couple of things this week about my quiet time and about true friendship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Uh, true friendship has a price. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I decided to wake up a little bit later. And where I'm at in my reading plan, see, I almost had it timed perfectly. I've read through the Bible in 2021, and there's this reading plan that you can do. Well, uh, you obviously didn't because you're not done yet. I'm still not done. <laughs> so I read all the way through Revelation. But what it does, this reading plan, it also gives you like a psalm to read alongside it. Okay. And some of the days were a little bit more heavy lifting than others in terms of reading. And I'd only be able to get to the first part of it, which put me a little bit behind with the psalms, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. So I have a few more to read. But I was like, you know what? These are beautiful. These are praise. Uh, These are easy. I'm just going to relax and I'm going to know when I wake up in the morning, just before I leave to go to work, I'm going to be able to to just whip out a psalm, Mm -hmm. read it in about five minutes, have that time. Nope. Last two mornings, ran out of time. Mm, Yeah. Ran out of time. I think that's important to showcase real life. And and maybe even, um, you know, you're like, I've never even done a reading plan. That's okay. That's just one of those things of like. That's something I chose. You don't have to do. But but to I think the vibe we get from Christian culture a lot Mm -hmm. is, you know, you better be doing it every day. I do for an hour and a half Mm. every day. Yeah. And why aren't you doing enough of that? That's like. We get that vibe a lot. I think if you like exercise. It's something I need to do every day if that's just getting up and standing up every once in a while because my Apple Watch reminded me to do so. Sure. And maybe taking a couple uh, laps around the block or something. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to the heavy workout where a couple of those maybe a week would be great. Sure. Yeah. Um, But in the name of, oh, I can't do the heavy, heavy lifting workout sometimes... If I feel like I have to do that every day, then you just neglect to work out at all around the block a couple times. Well, yeah, that's I miss the thing. My... If we can't do quote, we can't do enough, it all enough, then then we just stop a that, lot of the yeah. times, and yeah. that, that's what it should be. You know, and we've we've maybe shared this analogy on here before, but if I feel like I can't hang out with my wife enough, and mm-hmm. and with a you know a relatively new kid, you know, eighteen months old, uh, we feel that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. We don't get that quality time. Well, if I can't hang out with her in a qualitative state, I guess I'll just stop hanging out with her. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of stupid. That's kind of silly. Yeah. So that that's I think that's good encouragement of at least it's something. Yeah. Counterproductive so. in the name of being productive. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's so weird. Isn't that funny? But we do it. Uh, and I will tell you, even if it was just psychosomatic, I felt a difference. Mm. So whether or not I was able to read through Psalms, or five psalms, or whatever, it, it shouldn't even be the point. Did I make a point to, se- to spend quality time with the Lord? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was like, you know, Lord, as I was driving to work, God, you know I'm going to spend that time with you later on today. I obviously didn't get to my Bible reading as early as I did, and that's kind of our thing. Uh, and I 
and my prayer was really scattered. It just wasn't focused. I was all over the place a little bit because I have a certain pattern that I follow every day. And I started to notice that. Now, it's also really important whether or not you follow your pattern that <laughs> um, I think I think uh, I set myself up for failure because <laughs> I, I don't know how to even word this because it can be so annoyingly. This is how I do it every single day. That messes me up mm. and affected me psychologically, maybe not even spiritually, because God is with me regardless of if I have had the, quote, perfect quiet time or not. Yeah. That's the definition of Emmanuel. He's I, with us. I think that's tr true and and so glad it's true, even if I walk out of a quiet time or a worship experience where I, quote, didn't feel it. Yes. I still spent time with God and he was still with me. Yeah. So it can lead you to a couple of different places. You can places I can be so completely obsessive about. I didn't do it right. I'm not good enough. I have failed. Now I'm going to go overboard with it and try to meet these crazy uh, levels of achievement mm -hmm. with quiet time. Mm -hmm. Or I'm not good enough and then just quit altogether. Yeah. Which both of them are extremes that we should never do. And there's no balance in that. So finding, all right, that that sweet spot and then letting the reminder of the importance of quiet time on a daily basis, whatever that looks like, not necessarily a reading plan, even though that can be a great tool to help you launch something special. Uh, anyway, all of that to say, I had this really incredible conversation with my kids before they started school and it led to some special places um, with them even and hopefully in their future quiet times. So going back to school, there's obviously heavy angst there for any kid. That's where we are right now, by the way, if you're listening. This is January of 2022. Woo! Just got out of spring or spring break. Oh, my word. Where are you? Chris, well, clearly not in my Bible. <laughs> uh, no, uh, just got out of Christmas break. And we all remember the angst. It's the worst. <sighs> you had more excitement going back in August or September. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it had been so long, but Christmas break, you're not ready to go back. It was Christmas, and, and just even the fact that Christmas is over. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you love Christmas. There's something magical about Christmas, you know? Ah! So <laughs> I I told them, I get it. I do get it. Believe it or not, I bet your teachers get it, too. Yeah. And all the administration, the people that, you know, do their job in accordance and around your school learning experience. So, um they shared with me some of the reasons for the angst though. And uh, one of them shared, you know, I hear a lot of stuff at school that is not allowed in our home. Mm -hmm. um, conversations. I'm assuming that's all a part of the language that he was talking about. And uh, put downs are very popular at that age. Put downs. My oldest was sharing some of the things that he's heard in school. And he's like, I, he felt horribly dirty after listening to mm -hmm. what these kids are talking about. Yeah. And in some social media posts even being encouraged to discover and explore and you do you mm. kind of context. And it's very disturbing for both of them. And understandably so. Um, you leave the comfort of home. You go out into the world. Jesus does encourage to be in it, not of it. How do I do that, Mom? Uh, I, I hear these words. They get in my heart, in my head. I sometimes desire to say them. That's a challenge for me. Let's pray about it. And so we had really good conversations about, all right, what did Jesus do? And it gets back to what I was talking about earlier. Jesus didn't live in a bubble. 
Jesus walked around in a broken world, which is why he came in the first place, to fix it. And he was confronted with the ugly of the day. And they have never lived in a suppressed society where um, somebody could knock on their door at any moment and put them in jail for believing as they do. But that's, Jesus lived in a persecuted society, Mm -hmm. an oppressed society. Certainly for the disciples later on, it was persecuted for the sake of Christ, society. And I said, how do you deal with that every day? Different religions around you every single day, different belief systems, uh, discord in your own culture, blatantly so, where one side of your country is fighting against the other and the Samaritans or half-breeds or whatever was being thrown out there. This is where our Jesus walked out a sinless life. How do you do that? His answer was simple, not on his own. He spent time with God the Father every day. Yeah. And so when I'm sharing this with my son, who uh, one of them admittedly said, Mom, when he started sharing all the stressors that's going on with his schedule and the pressure that he's feeling building up, I said, what do you think Jesus would tell you right now? And he said, you know, I got to be honest, Mom. I don't want to put words in his mouth because it's been a while since I've had that that quiet time with him. I think that's an incredibly intelligent statement. Yeah. To to be cautioned, not just say, Jesus says what I want to hear, <laughs> you know, or just come up with a quick Bible answer for mom, make her feel better. And I can go on with my sure, life. That too. That it too. was a heartfelt plea for I want to do what's right. I realize I haven't haven't connected with the most important relationship in my my life in a, in a while. And for him, that might even be just a couple of days. Because, I mean, time is relative for all of us, but especially for teenagers, it's like, it's been forever. Could have been like an hour ago. (laughs) um, I said, well, what do you think Jesus would tell you right now? And his response, I don't want to put words in his mouth. And later, this verse popped up in my heart, one that, Carter, you have recently been rediscovering the words of Jesus in the book of Matthew, specifically Matthew chapter 6. And we had gone over this verse for our radio show Mm -hmm. to share with people. And instantly I knew, I was like, that's the verse for my son in this moment. And I told his papi who's sitting there, I was like, papi, pull this verse up. Matthew 6, 34, have Sammy read it. And he read it out loud. And it's, do not be anxious for anything. Don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has its own worries to deal with. And as he's reading this, I feel... I feel like the words of Jesus that he couldn't grab hold of before were there for him to touch. Mm. That's what Jesus would tell you. Mm-hmm. And he's got you. And there is nothing right now that you're facing that is too big for him. And when you start to put those puzzle pieces together, not only for your own life, but help in, in conversation with your children, put those puzzle pieces together for their own spiritual life. It's no longer just stuff they've heard pastors share from their heart, no doubt. But it's, after a while, it becomes this. It's just the norm. Yeah, this is the, the thing we say, the motto we live by, mm-hmm. the slogan that you see embroidered on a, a beautiful banner or right, something. Right. <laughs> but no, this is why Jesus spoke. These words, because he knew that 2,000 years later, you would need to be told, Mm -hmm. don't worry, my baby, don't worry. Do you see the birds worrying? uh, They're not about reaping stuff. They're not about, you know, even harvesting stuff, you know, but God, does he not take care of them? Uh, You hear about the lilies of the field. Nothing more beautiful 
them looking at these lilies and they're not toiling or spinning or anything like that. And God dresses them beautifully. So he's taking care of a physical need in terms of clothing uh, and nourishment. And so he's using these incredible pointers in scripture to kind of point us back to him. I got you. Yeah. And suddenly something that might not feel as relatable in talking about lilies or birds is not necessarily a... He's not a bird watcher. He's a, not a horticultural expert yeah. with the lilies or a bird watcher. <laughs> but now it's relatable to the crazy amount of homework, the duties of being a person involved in orchestra. I mean, insert whatever the stressor is here for your life, for mm-hmm. your kid's life, whoever it is that you've you've been praying for or alongside or even, you know, for yourself. And um, so maybe it's, I told him, I said, honey, you, you want a great starting place. Um, you know, you shared with us last week, you're going over the words of Jesus. Here's a great opportunity, most popular, famous sermon Jesus ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. You can find it in Matthew 5 and 6. Just take a couple verses every day. Sure. You don't have to do the whole thing because I think it's too much to chew on anyway at one setting. This is one, it's it's leftovers. You take a couple bites, you put them back in the fridge. Yeah. And then, yep, and think about it and yeah. stew on it, yeah. Enjoy it and... And if I could also just say um, one of those psalms that you was so kind to point out that I had not finished within my year. Yeah, you didn't get done. Yeah, I didn't get it done. Yeah. This one, though, was really fascinating. It's Psalm 136. There's 26 verses in Psalm 136. And every other line has the words, God's love never fails. Hmm. And it probably was shared in such a way that the people, the crowd listening, would repeat it back after a line was shared okay. from the speaker. That's probably how it went. But for every verse, 26 times it's repeated that God's love never fails. Like that is something desperately we need to get through our minds. Yeah. Wherever you're at, there is nothing too big that he can't handle. And he loves you. And guess what? 26 times at least in that chapter. And that doesn't even begin to cover the rest of the Bible is repeated that God's love never fails. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Um, No, and I think that's very practical, too. I mean, that, but then also, obviously, what you were talking about with with Jesus and anxiety, and and how do we look at something like the Bible and apply it to today Mm -hmm. and make sure that it's still the same, you know, what he was saying and not changing it? And so that's just, I've just kind of walked through a little bit of, of, yeah, Matthew and, and um, the red letters, we call them. If you have a certain version of the Bible, it'll his, anytime Jesus talks, it'll be in red. And um, just picking up where we left off last week, I know we what we teased was don't do any of those things where you go, God, if you give me a job, I'll go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life. <laughs> the bargaining. We're about to get, we'll get to that because he says it in here in Matthew 5. Of Here's an example of why not to do that. Okay. <clears throat> uh, but uh, starting with verse 16, I, I just kind of picked five or six verses that just like, whoa. And this is Matthew 5. This is Matthew 5. Okay. I'm just like, this could this applies to today. Yeah. With our culture, just the way we live life. Matthew 5, 16, let your good deeds shine so God gets the glory. Yeah. Not to make me look better. Yeah. And I just, we've had that conversation on this podcast before. I think we actually had the conversation with the Pride on the Halloween series, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, Seven Deadly Sins series mm-hmm. uh, back in October. You could look that up of, man, don't we live in a culture of, hey, I did something awesome. Let me post about it. Mm. <laughs> I did something awesome and it feels good. Well, that's not necessarily bad, but then what am I going to do with that? Brag about it? You know, it, it can go to some bad places. I feel like you're encouraged to... To do that. Oh, look at you do you. Yeah. 
Yeah. But you're also, I mean, in the same moment, you may be encouraged by that same person to do something that's apparently vile. You know, that that pride can sneak in. You don't even realize that you're guilty of it until God convicts it, you of it later. It's like, see, when you were doing that, it wasn't for your glory. It wasn't yeah. for my glory. It was for yours, Rochelle. And he talks multiple oh. times even in here about, you know, some of the, uh, the, the Pharisees, the religious teachers of the day, how when they would— uh, pray or they would give, you know, give the offering and mm-hmm. they would make a big deal about it. He said, you see what you see that, that they already got their reward. Mm. There's no eternal reward. Uh, and he's not saying they can't change and be in heaven or anything. He's just saying they ain't going to get any kudos for that in heaven, mm. but you do something selfless. You will get some sort of reward in heaven. Yeah. And to strive to know what selfless looks like. Yeah. Cause we've talked about altruism, which is, that's the philosophy word of it truly something that is 100% selfless. Which I don't know if that exists. <laughs> and I think you bring up a good point because if I give a homeless person a meal mm-hmm. and and look them in the eye and say their name and I'm, I really am just doing it to be kind because I know that, that Jesus calls us to be kind uh, and then I walk away feeling good about myself, oh no, I, I must have, you know, it, there's no way that you can do something and not feel good about it. So so then the the, pers- the philosopher would say, well, then it's not altruistic because you felt good about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't think, and, and we mentioned this before, I don't think you have to have one without the other. Just yeah. like we've talked about diet plans or, I mean, the thought of, well, I need to eat healthier. Mm-hmm. So cut out this completely. God gave you taste buds for a reason. He wants there to be, first of all, yes, for you to feed your body nutrition. Yeah. But there's a reason why he gave you the ability to taste. You don't necessarily have to sacrifice one over the other. Find things that are good for you. But are you allowed to have some something that tastes good? Y- yes. I think we, we like, remember a while back, sugar busters was a, th- a thing. And I think that is the same diet just repackaged like every few years. Sure, sure. It's like just you got to cut out sugar. No sugar, no sugar at all. It's like, then why did God make natural sugar? <laughs> So, I, can we just stop here and go, that's a great life lesson. Let's make sure to, to also acknowledge this is a great thing to think about in and of itself without it being an analogy. Now, some might say, well, God also made naturally rocks. So do you eat those too? Well, okay. No, use, that's not food. Use your brain, a little bit here. <laughs> Follow me on this. Use my brain, Rochelle. Um, but yeah, I think it's like we don't have to sacrifice one for the other. Yes, look at your heart. And when you're about to give this meal to a person in need. Lord, I really want you to receive the glory here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if that's your heart, absolutely walk away with a good feeling that you are aligned with God in that moment and you stepped into a place of ministry. That feels good. But Lord, you know, feel that warm fuzzy and then send it on back up to the Lord. It was for your, for your glory. And I feel like you brought me to that place to bring this person that meal. I don't think you have to sacrifice one for the other. Well, and that's why I just make it a practical point. If I am going to do something, I just don't tell anybody. Okay. So, so that I don't, um, well, I just told them be, be, because they might want to know. Mm-hmm. Well, I just told them in case they would want to do the same thing or, you know, and there's obviously exceptions. You know, if, if um, my friend and I are passionate about uh, homeless, I might tell my, my friend that or something, but I just, I just make it a rule for myself. 
I'm not going to make a big deal about it and follow the verse that says, don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. Yeah. And so it's more from a practice. So I don't have to guess my intentions. Right. You know, I don't even have to go there and go, what was it? What was it? No, I did a good thing. And then I didn't tell anybody or most people so that I know that I, I didn't do it hoping that, you know, the news, the local news channel would go, look at what this guy's doing in the community. <laughs> like, like I said, it's fine if it happens, but I didn't hope for it or do it because of that. Right. And there's no possible way you're going to be leaning into any sort of a braggadocious. Yeah. yeah. I just don't swagger. Even I don't want to go there. It'd be like I, I like what um, what uh, your husband does when it comes to uh, I, I hope I'm not sharing too much, but I, I think you've even talked about this in the podcast. Uh, with with lust, for example, mm. watching a movie, yeah. he will just look away. Yeah. So he doesn't have to second guess if himself. If there's a scene, am I lusting or am I just acknowledging that she's beautiful? You know what? I'm just not even going to go there. I'm just not going to go there because it doesn't do me any good. And so, and I want to honor my wife, and I want to yes. honor our vows. So this would be the same thing. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that you have to do that because my dad mm-hmm. does. So like when I'm <laughs> not. We're not watching, by the way, a bunch of movies that are really bad or anything. No, no, but no. But you know the scene I'm talking about, that scene that comes up and there's a passionate moment be- between the characters or whatever. Mm-hmm. And perhaps a flash of skin or whatever. And he knows that's coming up. And he just, even before it happens, he just looks away. Mm-hmm. And he actually learned that from a, a kind of a mentor to him in in. I guess. I mean, they barely knew each other, but he it always lasted with him. This guy he was working out with one day to honor his wife in his own mind when these other young women came to work out alongside them. Now, granted, what I'm about to tell you, you may think this is extreme, but for him, it, w- it was important. Mm-hmm. When these young women came to work out alongside him, they were wearing like sports bra or something like that. Sure. And he said, guys, I'm going to go ahead and go because he knew that he might go to a place where, yeah. which wouldn't be healthy. Yeah. And my husband, who he, he wasn't struggling with that, he was like, oh, that really impacted him. Yeah. And he carried that with him into his married life. And he's like, you know what? I don't even want to, I don't even want to go there. He also does that with alcohol. Mm-hmm. His father had a lot of problems with alcohol. And he's like, I have a feeling if I taste it, I might enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And my dad wrapped the car around the, uh, the telephone pole too many times. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to go there. Yeah. So that's that's his positioning. That's what's healthy for him. And that's what whether it is a, a good thing that God has allowed that we can take too far sure. or whether it is just a, a sinful act. I think what we do with human nature, uh, including uh, bragging about our good deeds, is we toy with the idea of it too much. Mm. We just let the thought sit there and go, well, I guess I could, or maybe I'll just try. Or, you know, for example, uh, I don't know, uh, let's say a, a pop-up ad. Uh, that, they've really done a good job about that. Those not <laughs> happening much anymore. Right. Uh, but a pop-up ad comes up. Well, maybe I'll just minimize it for now. No, 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 no. You know, oh, the yeah. idea is to just get out of it. Just yeah. just like uh, these situations where I just not even going to go there. You are an incredible salesman, whether you know it or not. You will talk yourself into or out of a lot of stuff, <laughs> right? That's true, isn't it? You personally yeah. would. Now, you might not necessarily go to work on a car lot anytime soon or try to sell furniture. I'm just saying, <laughs> if that pop-up ad is there and you've minimized it, you will either make a really good case for or against it, depending on where you're at. Right. Right. And so if it's best for you to just, nope, X. Yeah, yeah. Just take it out. Why would you even tempt yourself? And, and again, back to this is that's my philosophy with telling people about any good thing that I do. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's I just think that that's a, a great thing about verse 16 there in Matthew 5. For his glory. I love For that. his glory. So and then Matthew uh, 5, obviously, 20, verse 20. Mm-hmm. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I love... That's hardcore. It's hardcore. <laughs> and it's so hard. And yet it's so easy. Yeah, because a lot of those people, by the way, when he was sp- speaking... They were in the audience, the ones he was talking to. Oh, yeah, first of all, that's just awkward, right? That's just <laughs> awkward. But I love... Can you imagine had... the side glances people were looking at the high priest like, <laughs> did you hear oh, that? Oh, man. I've had conversations with people of a different faith over the past year, and they think that we have to strive to be good enough. Mm-hmm. Grace will kick in somewhere, but it's kind of like this. You do your part, God will do his part. Mm. No. This is what it's saying. You, basically, you have to be perfect. Mm. Well, that's true, but how? Because nobody is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's where Jesus' righteousness is. It's like if we had a big debt in on our credit card, yeah. his righteousness is put onto our account. We now have the funds to pay it. Yeah. And so when you see things like this, I just, I mean, this is just a pretty simple one, even though it's, you kind of look at it maybe for the first time and you go, oh my gosh, how am I, mm. I have to be perfect. I have to be better than the teachers of the, that followed every single law that they possibly could. Mm. How am I supposed to do that? You're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically speaking. And that's why Jesus fulfilled the law and did what he, he lived the perfect life. Yeah. And then we get to Piggyback. really just ride on his coattails. Right. Right. In a, in a quite serious fashion. And what that looks like is putting your faith in that Jesus is the only way. That there's a canyon that you'd have to, it's two miles across. Mm-hmm. And there's no way except that there's one bridge. Mm-hmm. And you have to recognize that this is the bridge I have to go down. That's, yeah. That's the only way. And that is Jesus. And I can choose not to cross it. A lot of people do. A lot of people say it's insensitive that you dare tell me there's only one bridge. There's another bridge down here somewhere. I'm going to go figure it out. Yeah. My friend, I'm telling you, the bridge is right here, and all you got to do is cross it. No. No, I'm going to go my own way. I will go so bold as to say that there might be another bridge down the way, but it might only go half across or a quarter of the way across. That's interesting. I do believe that when you start kind of, maybe maybe you've uh, gone, and I, I don't have enough clout to go down into any sort of uh, multiple religious philosophical, theological debate. Like, I'm not, I'm not that person. Um, I, I do know people who love doing that. Um, the point being, I think there are truths that can be found, partial truths in other faiths. Uh, for example, Islam believes that Jesus was born of a virgin. They believe, uh, you know, clearly they know that I, uh, Isaac was a person. It's like, for the most part, yes, Abraham mm-hmm. is still the father. Ishmael was more of the favored situation, from mm-hmm. what I understand, mm-hmm. with Muslim culture, as opposed to Isaac is the one that um, the Bible focuses on right. and his seed. But uh, also, you know, you look at Buddhist philosophy. Uh, there was a quote the other day. I was looking up a quote for the show, and I was like, oh, this is really good, filled with truth. And I looked to see who wrote it. I'm like, okay, that's Buddha. We're going to move on mm-hmm. because I know that this is going, this would be offensive if anybody discovered that this this thing that I thought, and honestly, was biblically sound, mm-hmm. it was really good. I'm like, no, but it's, okay, so Buddha shared this. I'm going to move on. I'm going to find this actual truth in Scripture, <laughs> and I'll give it that address. Um, but that tells me right there that there are elements to, to Buddhism 
that totally correspond and interact with our faith as Christians. I think what people don't like, people that are just set on Christianity uh, is not the way for me, mm-hmm. is they they don't like the—because um, in most other religions, there's a bit of a— oh, you can kind of do it this way, you kind of do it this way, and it's very rigid in one belief about Christianity, and it is Jesus is the only way that gets you to heaven. I, I, and people don't want to admit that. From what I understand, like in talking with a friend of mine who actually happens to be Buddhist, I think that might be accurate. Like they very much uh, treasure the teachings of Jesus in Buddhist culture. Yeah. But in Muslim culture, I found like I was in a setting uh, that I emceed this prayer gathering, and it was for multiple faiths, and we were all there. And here I am introducing all these different leaders of different churches and places uh, uh, of faith and religion around the city. That's a hard position to be in. It was unusual, (laughs) especially because I opened in prayer, and here I am a professed follower of Jesus Christ, and I know that that's going to probably ruffle some feathers. And I'm not there to worry about that per se, but it still felt awkward. Yeah, If I'm honest, it felt awkward. And here I am seeing people devoutly um, standing up for their faith. So there was no mishmash, wishy-washy. There might be multiple roads. Like when the Muslim, the director of the Muslim synagogue came up and stood there, no, this is the way. Uh And he was Uh very finite on that positioning. So I I don't know. I I don't know enough about different faiths, um, except that I have understood the freedom that only comes from Christ, from those who have gone on to study the different correlations or connections or what's the differences here. Um, from what I understand, Jesus is the only one who did the heavy lifting <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. freedom that comes from him. So it's not even like I'm lording this over people of other religions and saying, I know something you don't know. It's like, oh my gosh, I, I just happened to find out something that I, I know your faith is seeking. Mm-hmm. But you, you still feel like you have to do all of these things, and it's not about that. Oh, my word, let me tell you yeah. about this bridge. And you you don't have to jump halfway across because it's only a partial bridge. This is a fully built bridge. This is all truth. This mm. is the way. This is the life. And they, most people like the—they consider Jesus to be a great moral teacher, but they don't like the best news that he had to offer, mm. that he's God and that all you got to do is, like we said, piggyback a little bit uh, to say it in one way. Um, just switching gears in just a couple of verses later, okay. and I want to make sure to get to that one part um, about the uh, don't don't promise God things. Um, this is verse 23 through 25. If you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Um, when you are on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and then you'll be thrown into prison. And it to me, that's just such wisdom. And don't let things escalate. <laughs> we let yes, things we do. escalate and I'm going to sue you or I'm going to threaten a lawsuit or I'm going to... We can go to, especially as believers in Jesus, with believers in Jesus, go to the person and and then and then if necessary, you know, go to somebody, a leader yeah. in the church. And and even with, you know... But Carter, we like to poke the bear. <sighs> yeah, We, we do. do because we think we're right to poke the bear. Yeah, I'm always right. Yeah. I'm always right. But does that sound like that kind of goes back to our early commentary about pride? <laughs> sure. 
And it's subtle. It sneaks in there. You realize you're guilty of that sin. I'm like, I, and I've come upon that, that place of, whoa, Mm -hmm. I may have been spouting truth, but I was spouting it and not sharing it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think I'll just leave it there. I think that one's a good one to just sink in of just, and whatever anybody's situation is not letting it escalate to a certain point. Uh, Okay. Lastly, this is just what he says. This is still the words of Jesus. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, Mm -hmm. because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. (laughs) Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Mm. So... We say, and you know, people say, oh, I swear, well, heaven, let it be, you know, or whatever. But, but I think we seriously see it. And God, if I get into this college, God, if I get this job, I will dot, dot, dot. If you give me the, the person of my dreams to marry, I will always make sure to mm-hmm. dot, dot, dot. And I thought of the Old Testament example in the book of Judges. Is it, what is his name? Jephthah? Jephthah? How do you say his name? What are you talking about? This guy. Judges is one of those books that is hard to read through. Okay. So I try to put a lot of that out of my mind. <laughs> this guy was an officer in the army. Okay. Oh. And they win this battle. He's got an ugly story. I think this is Judges 11. This is a guy with a daughter? Yes. Okay. He says, God, if you help me win this battle, mm. I will sacrifice the first thing I see. Yeah. And they <laughs> win the battle. And I can't remember the order. I think they win the battle first. And then he looks up and his daughter's walking out the front door mm-hmm. of the house. And he, I think he tears his clothes. I mean, yeah. he's like, what have I done? Yeah, that's why. And uh, you, you heard Jesus say it here. You've heard that our ancestors were told you must not break your vows. Yeah. So he didn't uh, break his vows. Right. And there was even a tradition for many years that that women would uh, in Israel would honor this woman mm-hmm. by going up because she said, "Well, at least let me go pray and you know, gonna, yeah, let me hang out with the other girls for a little bit longer." And so now, uh, I, well, at least I don't know if this still goes on to this day, but for a while, it was even a a story told that Israeli women would would go to the hills before they got married because she never got a chance to get married, and it's like that was so dumb. Oh, my gosh. He never asked God, did he? He just said, I will do this. That's the thing. He didn't ask God. And then people read this out of context and they think, God wanted them no. to do these things? No. no. No, not at all. There's a this scripture. I literally read it the other day. and We'd been talking about this, you and I, Carter, in regards, oh, it's hard to read this prayer of the psalmist talking mm-hmm. about and let their children be bashed against the rocks. Mm-hmm. And you read the context of that, that had happened to the Jewish people. And this was coming from a, a, a vengeful place. Mm-hmm. I want that to happen. What happened to us to happen? Mm-hmm. Is God condoning this behavior? This is, this is a vengeful prayer that I'm reading in Psalms. There is a... is, and and do, don't you say things like that when it's like, Lord, when you're just being honest with them, you're like, Lord, I want them to get theirs. Yeah, true. And I found myself saying those things, and then God has to remind me of what his spirit is about, which if if you're checking in with the law, literally there are 613 laws in the Torah, in the first five books of the Old Testament. But the first five books of the Old Testament are not just laws. It's also the story of God seeking relationship with his children 
And we learn through Jesus that the first five books of the Old Testament can all be hung up on the storyline of loving God and loving people. Those are the those are the most important commandments. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're supposed to really embrace. And I'm like, oh, gosh. And we get so hung up on the literal stuff that we fail to see the magnitude. This is the, the real stuff, you know? So let me not be letter of the law, but Lord, let me read past the literal to the heart of the matter. And this poor guy didn't do. He, I guess maybe he didn't have a good enough dad to teach him. No, that's not what this means. But yeah. the whole swearing by... And to some extent, you know, we as kids, we kind of did that, right? You know, um, pinky swear or... <laughs> pinky swear, yeah. Do it in blood or whatever. And it's like, let your yes be yes. Yeah. Let your no be no. It's just that simple. And with the hard verses, there's a difference between prescriptive and descriptive. Mm. And just because we read about Lot's daughters or mm-hmm. anything, mm-hmm. like you know, atheists will will use things like that. Look, look oh, what the Bible look at God allows. Approves look this. God. No, yeah. no, it's telling what happened. <laughs> yeah. Because people be messed up. Yeah. They messed up. And it massively, if you allow it, you just have to do a perspective change. That's what I have to do when I read through these stories. Like, oh my word, Lord, how could you allow it? He said, do you see now? Do you see why I now had to send my son? Mm. Yeah. My children need a savior. They don't know how to love me or love people. But Jesus came and he showed them how to do both of those things. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. This has been the Anything But Quiet Time podcast and more great stuff at HopeOnDemand.com. Was that a whoop? I barked. That's... I meant to go woo, but then I was like, it'll be too loud. And then it came out as... What an odd ending. Woo! Even more odd. Woo!